Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. That's been one of the, the, the cries of my heart through this time of prayer and fasting is that, that we don't forget the end goal. I don't want us to get to the end of this, this three weeks that we've had together, these 21 days, and kind of go, check, tick a box off to say, yeah, got there, did that, and kind of move on. I don't want us to forget the goal. The goal was this, that we would reprioritize what was going on in our lives so that we would put God first. And whatever it took to be able to do that, you know, that to be able to let go of some of the things of the world, some of the things that swamp us, to be able to fast from some of the things that, that might consume our time so that it would push us into a desire, into a greater hunger, into a greater intimacy with God. That, that was the idea. That's, that's what we were trying to go after. And, and I can see the spiritual temperature increasing at River Life. I can sense it. I'm hearing the testimony of it. I know that God has has done something and he's going to continue to bring about his purposes and all it takes from us is a yes. It takes us to reposition ourselves into a place where we would say, God, if you can do it through anybody, would you do it through me? Would you do it through me? And I'm not saying that me, I want it through me, but I want every one of us to say, God, do it through me. Would you bring revival through me? Revival starts at home. It starts in our heart. It starts with, uh, I love it. It starts with ready, reset, go. And the reset we've been moving through, and I sense there's a time in which the Spirit of the Lord is saying go. So what is it that you've changed? How are the priorities for you changed over these last days and these last times together? What are you going to hang on to that have been rhythms that have brought you into that place of intimacy that you don't want to let go of? And you probably can't, if you've been on a food fast, you probably can't do that forever. Lord knows I don't want to turn into a vegan, but you know. (laughs) Sorry, people. Sorry, yeah, for those people, there's no inner vow. I rebuke that word. But I just, I just, I'm, I'm hungry for it, you know. I really am. I'm hungry for the Lord to come and do something. You know what tomorrow is? Besides Monday? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> June 21st. Do you know what June 21st is in the calendar? Yeah, shortest day of the year. It's the Southern Hemisphere's winter solstice. That's it. Tomorrow, the sun is going to get up at its latest point. It's going to go to down at its earliest time out of the whole year. I love it. I think there's something in it that we're finishing 21 days of prayer and fasting. And on the 21st, it's the shortest day of the year, only to understand that come Tuesday, the 22nd, there's going to be a little bit more sunlight breaking into the world. 
And I believe that the revival that it's on its way is like a light that's going to keep breaking out. And I believe that parallel to the change of the season that we're about to see starting tomorrow or ending tomorrow and starting this week is going to be a change of season in the heart and the lives of churches right across Brisbane. I believe there's going to be a mighty outpouring of His Spirit. There is a wave coming. Are you ready to ride it? There is something going on in the spiritual realm. We had the privilege this week of hosting an event for churches right across southeast Queensland, even up to Harvey Bay, Maryborough type of area, and uh, in that wide bay region where, where we, we had people gathered here and, and they've been traveling the same journey of praying for revival over the last 20 days. And I can tell you, it was a gathering of Baptists like I've never had a gathering of Baptists before. I mean, Holy Spirit was doing some awesome work amongst God's people. And these were leaders. These are staff members. These are, these are pastors and others within the church. And I'm just excited. God is on the move. And I'm going to keep praying. I love a prayer in Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And it says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known in wrath. Remember your mercy. Do it again. The cry of my heart, and I hope it's becoming your cry of your heart, is do it again, God. Would you do it again? Would you come in power and authority? Because I believe the Lord hears our cries. He sees our need, and I believe the good news is there's a season where we will not just cry out of the things that we have heard in the past, but we are about to see and experience it for ourselves. Luke describes a scene kind of just like this, and you can find it in Luke chapter 18. So if you've got your Bibles, you might want to turn to Luke chapter 18, and we're going to read in a moment from verse 35. And, and Luke doesn't name this guy, but if you get the same account that's, that's written in the Gospel of Mark, Mark calls this man Bartimaeus. You may have heard of blind Bartimaeus, and this is the story of blind Bartimaeus. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man better find my passage. A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what is happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way continued to do that. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. 
And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. There's a commotion going on. Evidenced by the crowd, it wasn't normal. Bartimaeus, blind he may be, but his hearing's all right. And he's sitting by the side of the road and something unusual from the normal everyday hustle and bustle of a first century Jerusalem street going on and a, you know, that Israel territory is going on. Something's happening. Who is it? Do you notice who they say it is? They say it's Jesus of Nazareth. But listen to what Bartimaeus says because he cries out, but he doesn't cry out, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. He has a revelation and an understanding of who Jesus really is. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I get called a lot of things in different places. Some of them I like, some of them, you know, depending on the company. When I go to pick up my kids from school, they call me Mr. Robertson. Around here, I get called Pastor John. Sometimes my nickname comes out and people call me Robbo. You know, I get called all sorts of different things. I've been called, and more and more it happens, Liam and Jake's dad. That's, that's kind of the tag I wear these days. Sometimes uh, I personally like sir. That's, that's what I ask my kids to call me. I'm joking. I, I don't. I tried. If I was honest with you, it doesn't work. Bartimaeus has asked who it is that's causing this commotion, and the response is Jesus of Nazareth. That's like calling, hey, Mr. Robertson from Mogul. It's my name, and it's where I'm from. It's Jesus. It's Jesus of Nazareth. It's his name, and it's where he's from. But he calls out Jesus, son of David. You see, this is a recognition on the part of Bartimaeus about who he's actually calling on. He's heard of the things that Jesus has done. Oh, it's Jesus. No wonder there's a commotion. I know Jesus. I've heard of what Jesus can do. I've heard of what's happened. No wonder there's a commotion. And then when he cries out amongst the crowd, he cries out, Jesus, son of David. You see, son of David was a messianic term. What I mean by that is it's the term that describes Jesus as Messiah, the one who delivers, the one who saves, the one who heals. He is the Messiah, and Bartimaeus rightly and correctly identifies Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah and calls out on the one who can save him, the one who can deliver him, the one who can heal him. He's told to shut up. He's told to be quiet. Listen, Bartimaeus, just stay there. You blind fool, just keep it quiet. This is Jesus. You've nothing to do with you. And I love his response. Do, do you hear his response? 
What does he do? He shouts all the more. He shouts, I, I, I sure hope in this last 21 days, I, I really hope that there's a cry within you. I hope there's a cry that's been rising up within you that when the world or when others or when perhaps it is other even believers who get around you and are, are a bit intimidated or threatened by your cry for revival and they tell you to cool your jets, just cool down a little, stop shouting it out, stop, stop crying out, you fool that you'd be like, there's a cry in me that's not going to be shut up easily. There's a cry in me that's just going to keep calling out because I'm calling out on the one who can save. I'm calling out on the one who can deliver. I'm calling out on the one who can heal and nothing's going to quieten the cry of my heart for revival. I hope, River Life, there's something stirring in you. Bartimaeus had heard of Jesus but he knew who he really was. And now he gets his breakthrough. Now he gets to see his breakthrough. He gets to see Jesus. He'd heard about Jesus, but now he gets to see. And Jesus said, it's by your faith. Why is it by faith? Well, he called on him by his name. That was the faith element. He changed it from Jesus of Nazareth and by faith he called on the son of David. I know you can do it. I know you can bring change. And all of a sudden, there's breakthrough coming. A breakthrough in his life so that he can see and experience what he has heard. I really do believe, and I'm going to say it again, that we are entering a season where we have heard about the testimony of the past. We have heard about what God has done. We have heard of mighty revivals and how the Spirit of God has been poured out, and you just wait. We're about to see. We're about to see and experience supernatural breakthrough for ourselves. That's what I truly believe. And I want you to draw confidence that you've been heard amongst the crowd. In amongst the noise, in amongst all the commotion and the hustle and bustle and the shouts of shut up and be quiet and the rebukes to not bother him and stay where you are, a louder, more passionate voice of desperation is heard above all the other noise. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Because Jesus has never, never had a deaf ear to a cry of a need that he can remedy. And I want you to understand that our, our crying out for revival, our crying out for a supernatural breakthrough is the will of God. And he hears our cries. We're not trying to twist God's arm here. We're not trying to say, God, if we, if, we hung, if, we, if we do enough stuff, if I pray and if I fast, then you'll do this. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're responding by positioning ourselves into a position where we're open to God. Our yes is in a place where he can take us and use us. We're not twisting God's arm. God's always wanted revival. 
The whole idea of the outpouring of his spirit upon those who waited in the upper room is that we, the way, people of the way, the followers of Jesus, would live supernaturally natural lives and the display of the kingdom of heaven would be brought to earth through us. We just have to get ourselves in the right place. God wants to pour out his kingdom on this earth. Isn't it good, though, to know that, that Jesus saw the need amongst the crowd? Isn't it good to know he sees, sees you amongst the crowd? Isn't it good to know that we're not just other nameless face in the sea of humanity to our God, but he sees you. He sees your need. He sees your pain. He sees your and hears your cry of help amongst the crowds. How do you go in crowds? You know, we uh, last week had the opening of a new shopping center in Mogul. It was a big deal. Coles moved from Belbowry to Mogul, just went up the hill and got a whole lot bigger. And we feel like we've arrived out there. Thank you. Preach. I tell you what, open last Saturday, I'm pretty sure the whole of Mogul, the whole of Balbari, Anstead, you know, I think they even came in from Mount Crosby and Ipswich, you know, people just, that place was jam-packed full. I literally went for three or four things took me like half an hour to find them and get them. And it strikes me that, you know, only a few months ago, it feels like we were being counted in at the door, you know? I'm sorry, we got our quota. You'll just have to wait. And we were supposed to keep a trolley length apart. Can you remember that? These guys are looking at me saying, I've never done a day of shopping in my life. I wouldn't have a clue what you're saying. I think mum or dad do that. Let me find some people who shop. And... And we're supposed to keep a trolley distance apart, right? It was three deep at the frozen peas. It was ridiculous. There were people absolutely everywhere. I don't do so well in crowds. When we lived in India, oh, I can remember a day where I was, India has a lot of people and crammed into a, a really small space. I can remember one day I was lining up in a post office. I just wanted to post something, you know, back home. And, and everywhere, it was like the, the whole of Chennai's six million people were in this post office. That's how it felt. I don't do well in crowds. How about you? Do you do well in crowds? How do you go? And the crowds often followed Jesus. They followed him everywhere. It wasn't unusual that there would be, like Bartimaeus sitting on the sidelines there, a, a, a commotion going on when Jesus came in because the crowds would follow him. Listen to what it says out of Matthew chapter 9. Here's a crowd incident in the scriptures. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Now you know the reason for the crowds. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
I'm sure the locals in Jesus' day resented the crowds maybe as much as we do. Just like today in Jesus' days, the crowds probably created problems. Crowds are easy targets for our cynicism, for our negative emotions, because it's an anonymous sea of people, right? Ever been in a traffic uh, incident or, you know, you're waiting for something and you realize there's someone protesting and marching and they're, they're doing it through the street and you're thinking, wow. And you just, you have an opinion straight away. I don't even know why they're marching, but they're holding me up. I have an opinion. Easy because an anonymous sea of faces, right, of, of, of people out in front of us. But Jesus didn't resent the crowds. Instead, he saw them. He saw the crowds. Perhaps because he saw them not as a mass, he saw them as individuals. He didn't just observe them. He didn't look at them objectively. His seeing caused him to actually feel something. Something deep at a heart level when he looked at crowds. An emotion that was more than sympathy for them. Jesus had compassion, it tells us in this passage. Pastor Joe last week talked a little bit about passion. I, I, I want to pick up on that and, and, and join on to that, that, that idea of compassion. The Greek word for compassion is splanknosmomai. You don't have to remember it. It's hard to say. But I want you to remember what it means. Literally, it means moved in the bowels. That's what it means. Moved in the bowels. See, uh, we understand that the, the seat, if you like, of our emotions, the seat of how we feel about things is in our heart. Yeah, that's what we say. It's, it's in our heart. That's where our emotions are kind of really deeply felt. And you might say to someone that you love, you might say to them, oh, I love you, 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 I love you. And you might then say, I love you right from the bottom of my heart. Yeah? It's kind of nice, isn't it? I love you from the bottom of my heart. What they're trying to express is that, that, that this, this seed of emotion, it's deep within. I love you from the bottom of my heart. But in Jesus' day, uh, the understanding was that the seed of the emotions wasn't in, described as the heart. The seed of the emotions was described as the bowels. It, it'd be a little bit more like saying, I love you from the heart of my bottom. <laughs> Don't try that one. Honestly, yeah, that's not going to get you anywhere. If you're out for supper tonight, don't try that one. Don't, don't write it into your wedding vows. That's just not going to work. I love you from the heart of my bottom. But you get the idea, this idea of compassion. Compassion actually literally moved the guts of Jesus. It sickened him what he saw. He was moved to physical pain by the plight of the spiritual condition of the crowds. The crowds were a pain to Jesus, but not in the way that they're a pain to us. 
They were a pain because he saw their desperate need and he loved the individuals that made up the crowd. Throughout our days of prayer and fasting, I wonder if there's been a change in the way you see others. I wonder if there's a compassion in your heart that actually literally moves you. I left the service this morning and after our time together, having soup and stuff, and uh, one of my boys has a birthday this week, and so I was going to Indrapilly to get him a present, and uh, I just started to think on my message, and I became quite overwhelmed with how many people were walking past me. And I don't know where they stand with Jesus. I don't know where they stand. And I thought about revival and I thought about what if we, what if these people, instead of going to Indrapilly, were at church because they, they wanted to experience the love of God or Oh, what about even better if they'd experienced the love of God because the people who were at church were now spread out through Indrapilly and just sharing his love with other people and a supernatural breakthrough. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw the plight of the crowds. He saw their dysfunction. He saw their brokenness. He saw their selfishness and their addictions. He saw their self-defensive behavior, their illnesses, their diseases. He saw the consequences of their own sins and the sins of others. He saw the bravado, the stoicism, the hypocrisy, the religiosity. He saw their need. And he wasn't repulsed by it. He saw all of these things and he felt their pain and he was moved to do something about it. He did so many practical things in that passage we're reading there in Matthew 9. It talks about the fact that that Jesus went throughout the towns and the villages and he preached to them the good news of the kingdom and he healed all their sicknesses and all their diseases. He saw their need and he met them a supernatural breakthrough to touch their lives, healing, diseases and sicknesses. He addressed the ultimate need they had and he proclaimed the gospel, the good news, the good news that met the spiritual realities and and as he proclaimed the kingdom of heaven to them. And that good news, it's the same today. God's rule has broken into this world and is coming through our Lord Jesus Christ. People need to turn and put their trust and their lives into the hands of Jesus to receive the very life of God. His compassion and love for humanity moved him to action and that ultimate action that one day would come to pass that they did not know of at that point in time is that he went to the cross. Perfect and sinless, he gave up his life for ours, taking upon himself the punishment of our sin. Wow, that's compassion. 
and he saw what was required by the disciples. And he turns to his disciples and he says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers out into the harvest field. I grew up on a farm for a period of time. As a young kid, we owned a citrus farm. And I can remember the harvest time. I can remember there'd be stacks more workers, you know. Dad had one off-sider and the rest of us family, my grandparents helped out for most of the year round. But come harvest, you know, we get fruit pickers in and they just come and because there's so much fruit. And so for me, the harvest uh, is a reminder of the return for the investment that's been made. You, you get the, the, the windfall, the cash comes in, you know. That's when the, the fruit is sent off to market and you get paid for all the hard work that's been done throughout the year. And you can look at this passage in that way. That is true and right to think of it, that this is a harvest. You can read about that in John chapter 4. That, that's, that's good. As people would turn to God and come into relationship with him. But in the Old Testament, metaphor for harvest mostly is referred to about the judgment and the wrath of God. Listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 17, because you have turned from the God who can save you, you have forgotten the rock who can hide you, protect you. Your only harvest will be a load of grief and unrelieved pain. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Joel, Joel chapter 3 verse 13, swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Sounds all right, doesn't it? Wait up. Come, trample the grapes for the winepress is full and the vats overflow. So great is their wickedness. The crowds that surround us every day, the crowds at our workplaces, the crowds in our neighborhood, the crowds at our university campus, the crowds at Indrapilly, both have a potential of a harvest to come into relationship with God through salvation by the means of Jesus' grace given to us or of judgment. Jesus had compassion on the crowds. Not only because their immediate problems, but because he saw the reality of many of their lives was going to be eternal punishment, not in relationship with God whom they might live forever. He looks at the crowd and they're like a sheep scattered without a shepherd, helpless, hopeless. He sees their need and he's moved to the very gut of his body with a feeling of sickness about how could they perish. People have the same desperate need to be saved today. And God's chosen means of bringing and reaching people is to use other people. God, God has not mechanized salvation. And the labor shortage for God's eternal project of saving people unto himself starts and stops with us. He needs workers. He needs laborers. Because the harvest 
is both large of those who are going to spend an eternity without him and ripe and ready for those who will turn towards him. One should make us realize that we intensely need to get out there and share the love of God and the message of his kingdom and of Jesus bringing salvation to them on one hand and on the other, be ready to reap in all of those who want to know who he is. And I think we need to grasp the gravity of the situation. And not be indifferent to the great need that's before us. You cannot say that you love God and not have compassion for the lost. And in response to the need and the shortage of labor, Jesus calls for very unlikely action. I'm kind of a get it done kind of person. I like to have a plan, I like to, to see a thing come to pass, I like to go after it, I'll put everything I've got into it, I expect that of other people, and we just go. And Jesus does something entirely different, strangely enough. He doesn't start to line up the next program, he doesn't start to just release everybody straight out to get on with the job. He says this, he says, would you ask the Lord of the harvest to send out the workers? We need to pray to God to send out the workers. Essentially, this is a prayer for revival. Our first prayer priority in praying for workers for the harvest should be that God changes us that we will see and feel what Jesus sees and feels for the crowds. This is not a prayer of abdication. This is not a, a prayer. So Lord, raise up somebody else. This is what we've been looking at for 21 days and you might not have even recognized what's happening. But as you've pressed in, as you've hungered, as you've thirsted, as you've longed for the presence of God because you've stripped some other things away that have pressed you further into the presence of God and intimacy with Him, what you're actually doing is preparing your heart to be the actual answer to the prayer you're praying, God, would you send out the workers? Here I am. Here I am. It's me. I'm the answer to my own prayers. God, send out your workers. And we need to pray for the compassion of Jesus to overcome our prejudices, our laziness, our disinterest, our selfishness, our fears, and change us that we might become the answer to our prayers. See, Jesus saw with his eyes. He was moved in his heart. And he calls us to our knees so that our hands can join on his mission. That just like Jesus, we'd see the need of our people in our community, that our compassion of Jesus would fill our hearts and motivate us to pray those prayers. Six weeks ago, 
at the beginning of our supernatural breakthrough series we're coming to a conclusion of today. Six weeks ago, one of the prophetic voices amongst our family here at River Life, Rob Spur, had a word from the Lord for us as we entered into this season. Can you remember? I don't know if you remember. Did we do it at night as well as the morning? I, don't, I think we did. did we, we gave a seven-second shout. And it ringing in my ears because it's kind of what you do as someone who preaches a lot was Rob's question because I would have asked the very same thing of the Lord. How do I get people to shout for seven seconds? That kind of is a little unusual. And this is what the Lord said to Rob that day. And I want to read it back to you now. Would you close your eyes just for a moment just so you're free of distraction from the person to the left or the right? And And God said this to him. Get each person to picture their own individual house, your street, your corner shop, your local school, the coffee shop you frequent, your business or workplace. And then imagine what it would be like if God's revival fire touched them all. What would our children's children say when they speak about this generation? As we hold these places and these people in our hearts, he said, I believe God's fire will fall fall on and unlock our church with revival fire that will unlock the community, that will unlock our city, that will unlock our state, that will unlock our nation. There'll be a sound coming from us out of a compassion in our hearts where the very bowels of hell will shake because the bride of Christ is rising up, taking up their responsibility. I wonder if that's you. Would you take up the responsibility? Would you allow your yes to Jesus be a yes for him to move in your heart with the compassion of Jesus for the lost? And if you really do feel like that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you... Would you stand to your feet? You don't have to stand. There's no judgment. If, if that's not right where you're at at this moment, but if out of these days of praying and fasting, the Lord is starting to stir something in you, then I want to pray for you. Just stand where you are. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, I confess that in my own heart, it's infrequent and seldom that I'm moved in my guts with a level of pain for the lost. 
And I don't want that to be the case anymore. Jesus. Jesus, give us your heart for the lost. That it'd be hard for us to walk through our school, our university campus. It'd be hard for us to walk through our local neighbourhood, our shopping centres. It'd be hard for us to be able to receive a coffee from someone whom we might even know the name of without you moving in our hearts because there are people that are going to spend an eternity without you. Move our hearts to be able to introduce people to you, people who are looking, people who are ready. Give us the courage, Lord God, to go out as the workers, to bring in the harvest, for those who have been looking everywhere else in life and are yet to find the answer because the answer is you. Jesus, move in us. Jesus, move in us. You never looked into a crowd that you didn't know the face of every individual and saw the need God, ruin us. Ruin us. Ruin us that we couldn't stand again to look into a a crowd and not see the individuals, the, the least, the little, the lame, the lost. Pour your spirit out, a spirit of compassion. Thank you, Jesus. And maybe today it is that some of you may feel like for the very first time you understand that just like Bartimaeus, you're actually in the crowd and he sees you, he knows you, and he knows your need. And if today you were to call upon him, Jesus, the son of David, to be your deliverer, to be your redeemer, to be your healer, that he sees you, he knows you, and he can do that for you. And maybe there's a cry in your heart. There's a cry in your heart today to say, yes, I want to know you, Jesus, like that. I've heard a little about you, but I want to experience you coming to bring forgiveness into my life, take away the guilt, take away the shame, and restore me into a relationship with the God of this universe. And if that's you tonight, why don't you just give me a wave and I want to pray with you. Just give me a wave. If that's you, Just let me know. Let me know. Let me know if that's you today. Thank you. I see your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Jesus, thank you that you hear the cry of our hearts. 
a cry that says, I need saving. I need delivery. I need healing. I've looked everywhere else and nothing suffices. I am so sorry, God, for living my life without you, for living my life where I've been in control and I ask for your forgiveness and I surrender control of my life into your hands, Jesus, and place you in control, my Savior, my Lord. Come fill me with your Holy Spirit's presence that I may walk a life that honors you, that glorifies you, that I might know a peace in my heart, a love that chases away all fear, all shame, all condemnation. Thank you, Jesus. And if that was you tonight, we... We want to meet you. We want to just be able to share with you. I want to come on down the front at the end of the service and a pastor would love to be able to just, just pray with you and help you on your way. And best thing when you make a decision is be amongst other people who love Jesus to walk with you and help you grow. Why don't we all stand to our feet because we're going to end it back into a time of worship. And the prayer ministry team is going to be available down over to the, the front of the church. I think just on this side, maybe uh, just both sides. Both or one, Claude? Both? Yeah, fantastic. And tonight I, I, I woke up this morning and I had a few things just on my heart this morning that I believe are, are words of knowledge for healing. Words of knowledge are a little bit like um, Jesus seeing you in the crowd. They're like, Jesus sees you and he knows, oh, you're blind. I can do something about that. So it should raise up some faith in you to call on his name for the healing, yeah? Just like Bartimaeus. And these are the things that I, I came this morning just on my heart and I don't want to do them again tonight. Osteoporosis. If you suffer from osteoporosis, would you come and get prayed for tonight? Brain tumors. Left knee, and in particular, it's the medial collateral ligament. That's one that runs right down the inside of your knee here. Left knee, medial collateral ligament. Diabetes, and particularly to do with an issue of the feet, if you're suffering from diabetes. And scoliosis, the curvature of the spine. Also just got these ones. Left hip, not healed properly after surgery or an injury. So left here, but you've either had surgery or an injury and something's just not come good. I want to pray for that. Scarring in the throat causing discomfort. Migraines. Eye damage. Left thumb <laughs> injured or in pain. I love that word and I love the simple things. You know why? Because the the big things seem like, wow, God's interested in your thumb. That's kind of pretty cool, right? I like that. Headache behind the left eye. And people just feeling stuck in a season where they need breakthrough. Come on, we've been preaching about it. Now's your breakthrough. Now's the season. Now's the time. Now's your breakthrough. We want to pray 
with you in that regard. If any of those things mean something to you, or we have seen this in the past, if these mean something to someone you know who is at home, they're not here, come on their behalf and we will pray with you for them. We've seen healing that way. So, you know, come and, and let's be a part of that. You can come to either side to receive prayer and uh, let's just continue to worship and, and spend time with Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.